0: How did it get to be to
1: September? I don't know, but I got to tell you, for for us hanging out here in Phoenix, it's like 110 degrees here in September. It's like 158 degrees. I'm over it. I'm over it. But over it. anyway, I'm never over talking about beauty, and I'm never over talking about beauty from the inside out, and that's why I'm really excited about uh, today and my guest, um, who is. And a lovely friend, first of all, and, (laughs) uh, you know, and a guest that's been with us before, and she shared her story, and that's Elena K. White. And... Um, she's the founder of Red Thursday Foundation, uh-huh. um, which she'll tell you all about that. But, you know, today, not only are we celebrating uh, Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, so if you're watching us live on Facebook, you can see that we're in teal, which is their signature color, is teal. So, you know, shout
2: out to all of the teal sisters out there. This is the one time of year that I trade in my red for Red Thursday uh, for teal and um, of course i always have my teal sisters my teal tribe at heart but of course especially today is thursday for your show we're we're all in teal so wanted to come and present Our colors today. We should be wearing hats. Like, you know, the ladies that wear the
1: hats. And they're all, like, red and teal and all those really vibrant colors. Yeah, we'll have to do that next time.
0: Yes.
1: Anyway, uh, you know, being Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, an ovarian cancer is known as the silent killer because it doesn't get diagnosed quick enough. And um, then it has unfortunate circumstances attached to it and everything. But my friend Elena here that's with me and a survivor... Um, Four times. Four times. Four (laughs) times, okay? So I'm just so lucky to still have her in my life at this point and she's gonna share her story um, and and will reference you back to some other episodes that also have her story in depth and everything mm-hmm. but we wanted to really today we wanted to not only bring awareness to ovarian cancer and of course we know we're rolling into a big push of just breast cancer mm-hmm. all cancers awareness at this point mm-hmm. you know november is a lot of um... awareness for men november november yeah a lot mm-hmm. of awareness for men and their cancer so we're, we're kind of going into the season where we need to start taking care of ourselves. We need to look at those subtle signs. We need to mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, your insurance is may not be as good next year as it is right now, so go to the doctor.
2: Go to the doctor. <laughs> While
1: you can. Forget about how much you have or don't have in a deductible. Um, and just get that checkup and make sure if you're not feeling good.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I want to start, first of all, Elena, with just being able to have everybody get a sense of, you know, a little bit about you and, and your first diagnosis, because, again, we're four times into this mm-hmm. ever-evolving struggle with cancer here. Um, this but,
2: disease. Yeah. It's, it's This summer I was, um, you know, a doctor used the words the disease with me for the first time. And, you know, it, it'll be four years in December since I was originally diagnosed. And when he said the words this disease, you know, even having it as long as I've had, you um, It hit a different part of my soul where it realized it's like, okay, not only is it a disease, but it's evolving in your body in such a way that it's changing you. I mean, people that know me well, Bonnie does too. I mean, if you look at me, I mean, I look healthy. If you saw me on the street, you would not know that I have ovarian cancer. But in the last um, three months, I've lost 40 pounds. And, um, you know, I've been dealing with that and you know it's like oh great you wow you look so fantastic and that's the number one thing i hear is oh my gosh you look so fantastic and i mean i do and for the most part you know i have really tough days i'm currently going through chemotherapy but um the body image that that is attached to that i I, You know, where you've been one size and then all of a sudden you're so, so thin and cancer, you know, what happens when people get really sick towards the end of their life when they have cancer? What happens? They lose weight. They lose extreme amount of weight. They can't Mm -hmm. keep weight on and it weakens their body. So my part of my disease that is caused this in my body, um, you know, that is frightening for me. I think in the last three months I've been more frightened by ovarian cancer than I have in the four years that I've been fighting it. So, but I do want to talk about when I was diagnosed because it's really important. It is
1: very important because if we're going to raise awareness to this, then this is this is the critical pieces that I want people to hear and understand. Because your struggle in being able to finally get diagnosed was a story that no one should ever have to tell.
2: I it took me. Um, nearly four months to get diagnosed. And by the time I was diagnosed, I was bedridden. I could barely walk. And I was only 35 years old, um, single mom, working full time, traveling for my job um, in the beauty profession um, that I love so much and, and literally begged Quite literally begged and publicly shamed a doctor <laughs> in town in order for him to do what he needed to do, which was to open me up and look inside my abdomen and see what was happening. And um, it was a, a horrible, horrible thing. I, I remember I was in that four months, I was hospitalized three times um, for extended stays in the hospital. And um, all of my signs were ovarian cancer. And I would Google my symptoms and I would say to the doctor, "Um, okay, but when I Google them, it comes up that I have ovarian cancer. And the doctor to my face with my mother as my witness in the room said to me, there is no way you have ovarian cancer. You are far too young. And, um, you know, shame on him. Um, shame on, and it wasn't just him. It was multiple medical professionals at very, very different levels um, all all around, like from the hospitals to the nurses to the radiology. It wasn't like I wasn't having, you know, um, ultrasounds and CT scans and all of these things, but they lit- quite literally um, missed it so much. In fact, I mean, I had tumors the size of um, like a softball in my abdomen, and I was a I mean, I was a thin girl and in terrible amount of pain. And um, so, you know, it was it was really, really a terrible experience all the way around for my children, um, for me, for my job. Um, and then it was actually a relief when I was diagnosed because suffering that much and feeling like no one cared if I died. I remember telling the doctor, I'm dying and you don't care because my fatigue was so Intense. I mean, it, it took, like, all of my strength to get in the car and drive. Well, you're 35 years old and you're healthy. Why you're w- supposed to be. Yeah, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with you, clearly, so why can't you get in your car and just drive here? Why can't you take a shower? You know, your blood pressure lowers all of us. When we get into a shower and we're in hot water, okay, mm-hmm. our blood pressure lowers. If your blood pressure is already low, that's why pe- so many people faint in the shower. That's why older people, you know, it's harder for them to shower. Or
1: get out at that point. Or
2: get out at that point right. because their blood pressure is so low. So that w- was happening to me. I was getting, like, my heart would start racing and I would get out of breath. And I'm like, I'm showering.
1: What? So tell us what were the signs.
2: Like, Oh, no. you had a, You had a... Painful abdomen. So. Like, that was one thing. So I have my secret list, but I'm going to ask Bonnie. Bonnie, do you know the symptoms of ovarian cancer? Because this is what awareness is. If you don't know the symptoms, how can you check yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, from what I understand, um, it's kind of a bloated belly, painful stomach. That's one. um, Yeah. Potentially. Um, And and this is hard, for for especially at your age that you were at, but irregular periods Mm -hmm. and menstrual cycles, um, but that's not that abnormal for any woman, I think. So that wouldn't be a significant sign unless she was so regimented of of her cycle um, that something fell off. Mm -hmm.
2: But I think that's really all I know. Bloated? Bloated? Um, Irregular periods is one of them, for sure. Um, there's one that's really easy. When you have um, your digestive system, if it gets backed up, you are... Oh, do
1: you have a constipated? Constipated. Oh, yeah. Okay. If thank you're having thank you chronic me the answer. To that
2: one. <laughs> if you're having chronic constipation or intermittent constipation, um, the key word is persistence. So if you're persistently bloated, right, your period was two weeks ago, but you're still bloated and you're like trying to figure out why am I still bloated? That's bizarre. And there's another big one. So we talk about being constipated, but then the other thing that we always have to do is
1: tinkle. Tinkle. I say tinkle. I say tinkle. (laughs) It must be an Arizona thing, right? Yeah, we grew up tinkling. We grew
2: up in Arizona. So um, urination, frequency of urination, like sense of urgency, or when you go, you feel like you still have to go. Mm. So those are like the big four ones, and you can go on ovarian.org. So that's the um, National Ovarian Cancer Coalition's website is ovarian.org, and you can read about that. But that those are the four big ones. And I had all four of those, and obviously um, as I was continuing on with my um, – the progression you know as it was really because it was extremely aggressive and someone is taking over my abdomen um, as it was getting worse I was actually I had bowel blockages so Mm -hmm. what would happen is I would get intense speak of um, spike of what would be like an infection, so my fever would go up really high, and I'd be throwing up, and you know, so it, like
1: a flu. So you would think that it's like flu-like symptoms, except for
2: that it was com combined with all these other things, the intense right. bloating. Right. So,
1: so why why wouldn't a doctor believe you if you're walking in and listen? I, I know that a lot of doctors are probably like, "Oh, don't go on WebMD or any of those things."
0: That's what you he know, laughed at yes, about, yeah,
1: yeah, but. Yeah. but But as a consumer and as a patient and just as a human being, I do have to self-diagnose to some Mm -hmm. degree because I feel as though I get such limited time with a doctor that I feel as though they may not be thorough enough Mm -hmm. or I might have missed something that is starting to show up that can, you know, create the conversation to be able to have them look further into things.
2: So if something happens to you once, you can say, okay, that was weird. And then when it happens again you go, all right, more than once now. And then when a third time hits you, you kind of start going, all right, this is where the word persistence, Mm -hmm. it continues. And it's not resolving or it's getting worse. You know, something can stay the same for a while. And then, you know, any condition in our body as our health is attacked. Um, But the the key word is persistence. So I always say, first of all, you are your own advocate and you know your body better than, than anybody else. Yeah. And if you, you have to listen to our body. I have actually discovered in this, talking with men and women, but a lot of women really with ovarian cancer, breast cancer and stuff, um, you know how much they just dismissed everything in their body and they just didn't listen. And um, so my big part of the awareness is listen to your body. Your body is telling you things that nobody else can read. You know, a doctor can't read that. Um, And then communicating with the doctor, that's the number two thing. I tell people all the time, if you're, if you get nervous or flustered or feel pressured or feel the doctor's crunch for time, I'm sorry, this is your time. Take your time. Come in prepared. I sometimes come with a list of things that's going on with me, you know, now with my oncologist because now it's. A lot, you know, one little thing that I forget could make all the difference in the world. And
1: the treatment that you're getting the treatment or that to I'm not getting. continue the treatment or to, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, or some way that it's affecting my body or something new that's popping up. Um, I'll give you the second part of my story. So after getting diagnosed and going through um, 18 weeks of um, dose-dense chemotherapy, including a big in- invasive seven-hour surgery to remove the cancer from my body— um, it wasn't, you know. It was the following spring, because um, I was diagnosed in December. So a year later, in the spring, um, I had a massive stroke. Thirty-six. At Thirty-six. Thirty-six, you 36 had a years old. I had a massive stroke, and turned out that I had a pretty good-sized tumor of ovarian cancer in my brain, right here. Now, see, this scar, was really right
1: when. Being educated by you in regards to this, this was one of the things that I didn't have an awareness of, that in your first diagnosis of ovarian cancer, if you get cancer again, it's that ovarian cancer just moving to other parts of the body.
2: Yeah, and so that's another big um, part of understanding cancer is when it metastasizes um, and it goes somewhere else. It's not like suddenly I have brain cancer or suddenly you have bone cancer. I mean, breast cancer, you know, the way that it uh, metastasizes or ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer does metastasize, but rarely to the brain. So the fact that it went to my brain first, um, in looking back at my past medical history, you know, it metastasized to my brain probably much sooner um, than we knew, maybe even before I was diagnosed. Um, But they still didn't treat you fully. They treated parts of you. So they treated me, but no one ever scanned my brain. Mm. They never looked, you know, you, you have to have a specific MRI, right. you know. So when I had the stroke um, at that point. I
1: would think if you have stage four ovarian cancer that you're going to scan every part of my body. Now we know, right? Yeah. I and mean, now I we're sharing this. That
2: scans, I know. And you can, the thing is, is that you can talk to your doctor and ask for these things. There are things that I ask for now. You know, if I, if I want to wait. But now you know. But now that I know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've, I've learned, I've had to learn and read and study and ask questions um, of other people who have the same disease or, you know, have dealt with cancer. Um, this last time around, I mean, I pretty much chose my treatment plan, which sounds crazy, but when they're offering chemo drugs to you and you're saying to yourself, I've been on that chemo drug and I know what it did to my body and I know um, where I'm at now is not as strong as I was then, you know, what do you do? So I actually refused treatment, which in the end was not necessarily the best for me because the cancer was extremely aggressive this summer and tried to take me down a couple of times. Um, As you know, Bonnie many times came to my couch and helped me deal with, um, it was really hard this summer. But at the same time, I got on a Through that journey, um, and I did some holistic things too that are complementary to helping me with my chemotherapy, and I learned about those, um, like vitamin C, IV drips. I know that some doctors don't, and it depends upon the chemo that you're on, and you can research that, but for the one that I'm on, it works very well for, so I I also do that. Um, But getting on the right chemotherapy that's gonna be the best for your body two or three times into it and, like, me on my fourth time.
1: Now, I know a lot of people are going down this path of thinking that, um, you know, the the medical profession and the technology in regards to treating cancer is all bogus. They're like, oh, it all has to be FDA-approved. Um, And so people are thinking that they need this natural path or they need to go to some other country for treatments. But but we have we have highly regarded treatments, doctors and specialists Mm -hmm. to be able to support you. And I think the thing is, is that depending on the type of cancer, there's too many variables to just make any assumptions there.
2: Well, and we're, we're going to talk about DNA, too, and I think that a little bit of the DNA comes into that okay, as good. well. Yeah, we'll talk but, about that in the um, next segment. There is, there is a lot of treatment options and for your specific type of cancer and whether holistic is a route that you can even take. You know, um, I have gone both ways, and I'm very passionate about protecting my body, Elena's body. This is my vessel. This is the only mm-hmm. one I get. Um, I have to watch what I eat. I have to watch what... Um, I put into my body what chemicals, what what substances, any sort of herb or supplement, you know, nutraceutical. I'm very cautious. And it's not because I don't believe in natural medicine. It's because, um, you know, your blood is completely altered when it comes to cancer and and what chemicals you're using so you have to you have to be on top of that and I do see a naturopathic oncologist in addition to my oncologist and then when she my naturopathic wants me to do something very specific. I'm taking it back to my oncologist and I'm comparing notes to see if there's any interaction. So you got two
1: specialists working for you. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. yeah, and
2: they don't have to be under the same roof, but you do have to be very specific. And that's where I take my notepad <coughs> and I Excuse write me. it all down and I and I discuss it with my doctor. And I did go on the journey of the holistic and um, you know, for ovarian cancer, for the type that I have, for as aggressive as it is um, it's just not strong enough. I needed chemotherapy.
1: Now, before we, before we take a break here, they call it the silent killer. And for what reason?
2: Well, the, the reason it's the silent killer is actually one in 75 women will get ovarian cancer. It's still one of the most rare female cancers, obviously breast cancer being the most well known, but breast cancer is much on a, on a scale of I hate to say survival rates, but the survival rate of breast cancer is much higher than it is for ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that because of the silent killer, you go in every year and you have your female organs checked, right, Right. your pap Pap smear, smear. Mm -hmm. right? And then they do your breasts or depending upon your age, you get um, a, I forget what it's called suddenly, (laughs) smushing of the boobs. Oh, mammogram. Mammogram, (laughs) oh my gosh, I know this. Um, And so, right, so then you get your breast check, you get a female check, but guess what? Pap smear doesn't detect ovarian cancer.
1: Mm, So we really don't know that it's going on unless you go to your doctor with the symptoms that we talked about. Exactly. Okay.
2: And so um, only 19% are diagnosed in early stages with ovarian cancer. Oh, that's pretty low. That's so low. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, that's... More than seven, 71% of the women are diagnosed with late far stage, right? far too late, like far me, too late? stage four. And and why is that so significant? The reason is, is metastases, the developments of the cell, the aggressiveness of the cancer. The cancer right. gets strong. And so then it's spread throughout your tissues, mm-hmm. okay? And ovarian cancer, um, what it does is it loves to travel up um, – this flap over your abdomen, it's called your peritoneum. Okay, So your peritoneum or your omentum. Your peritoneum is like the lining of your abdomen and your omentum is the fatty drape that protects your organs. So, and it like, looks like a curtain. So it's down here really low in your ovaries and then it starts going outside of your ovaries and then it starts traveling up. And as it travels up, it attaches itself. You know, first of all, it loves to attack like your colon and your rectum down there, really low. And then um, it goes over here and over here on this side, you have like your appendix,
1: Mm, okay? All
2: all your organs. All your organs, and then it starts going up. So, and then as it goes up, then your vital organs are up here. So you're talking about your liver, your stomach, your Mm -hmm. kidneys. I had, when I was diagnosed, it was on my liver, my stomach, one of my kidneys. I had a huge section of my colon completely removed. Um, I had my um, appendix removed, um, and it was full all over my peritoneal cavity, which is the lining, and my omentum. So, so people
1: can go to Ovarian. We're going to take a break right now, so people can go yeah. to ovarian.org and just take a peek at it. So here's part of our awareness test for you is mm-hmm. just be aware. You might have a friend. It might be you. It might be a sister a mother, somebody mm-hmm. that's complaining. Maybe they've been complaining about some of these very same symptoms and you're kind of passing it off that it's just what they're eating or they're stressed or their job is, you know, really busy. It's a busy time for their job or something like that right now. So just be aware. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back.
2: Thank you.
0: Streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. are you looking to uncover your authentic self looking to improve your communication selling or public speaking skills discover naked audience productions trainings on public speaking leadership sales and healing Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions, to profits, to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. Leadership issues are discussed each week on Voltcast, Illuminating Leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Elena K. Wright, and she is the founder of Red
1: Thursday Foundation, but Mm -hmm. she's also a public speaker, um, you know, certainly an advocate, and we're here today talking about ovarian cancer, because it's Mm -hmm. Ovarian uh, Cancer Awareness Month, which is why we're in Teal. So if you're following us on Facebook Live, we are at Bonnie Borman Bonadeo, B O H R M A N B O N. -N 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 A D E O, So you can follow us on Facebook Live right now. Um, and if you're on Facebook Live and you can't be watching us for the full show, you can always listen to this pre-record that will go into an archive and a podcast tomorrow. And I'll be sending out the link on all of my social sites as well. So thanks for joining us both on the radio and on Facebook Live. So in our first segment, Elena, you talked about at 35, you got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And it was a struggle for them to realized that you were coming in with these particular symptoms and they were ignoring them. They finally cut you
2: open. They were naughty.
1: And they realized you did have ovarian cancer and it was at stage four ovarian cancer, which is very dangerous. Um, And from there you went into treatments. So you left the story off then that a year later, um, almost a year and a half later, that Mm -hmm. you had a stroke and that then they discovered that there was cancer in the brain. Um, and so, give us a little bit more insight to the story today because I know part of what we want to talk about today is this DNA link that's happening here with people getting people having cancer, being treated with cancer, mm-hmm. and you know, pre diagnosis of this. And listen, cancer is. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's and horrible. Every, I know everybody knows somebody that is has been treated, is being treated, or has survived it or not survived it. I know everybody knows somebody.
2: That is the reason I started Red Thursday Foundation. I know we're not talking about Red no, Thursday today. No, let's talk today, about it now then. That, is, that was the tagline, because everyone knows someone with Cancer. Yeah, it's true. Unfortunately, it's today, it's, an, it's an awful truth. Yeah, and then people will say the their mind goes, and I'm like, well, you just met me, so there we go. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anyone, you know me. Yeah, you know. Good. But unfortunately, that that is the truth. That someone, everyone knows someone. So um, that's why we need to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. And we, need we do. To, we need to talk about it too, because um, and not just ovarian cancer, but we need to talk about it because. Um, Early detection is the key. The earlier you discover it, the earlier um, you're able to get treatment and prevent any reoccurrence. And mm-hmm. unlike, don't be Elena. Okay, in a lot of ways you could be Elena, right? There, I've done some. I've been thankful to do some amazing things in my life. But in this way, don't be me. Okay. So with ovarian cancer, if you know you have the the symptoms, so bloating, constipation. Um, frequency or urgency to um, urinate and also irregular periods, um, that those are reasons and those are things that you need to very specifically call out to your doctor if you have that, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I wanna cover that again. Um, Oh yeah, and the other one that's really big too that um, affected me was you feel full really fast. Mm. So like everything's cramped inside of you. that was the other so one. So you'd eat really a little big. bit and
1: you'd be like, God, I'm so full, but I feel like
2: I should be eating more. But I'm hungry, but mm. I'm not because there's it's full, like yeah. physically full, which, you know, happens to me. You've seen me eat. Mm-hmm. She eats like a bird. Hey, do I eat like yeah. a bird? But mm-hmm. it frequently.
1: <laughs> yeah. Frequently, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. So after you got diagnosed the second time, they treated you then for brain cancer, which is still ovarian cancer but in the brain.
2: Yes. Okay. So what happened when I had the stroke is they discovered that I had a large tumor of ovarian cancer in the top of my head. And so it was followed by a craniotomy. So we went in they went in, opened my skull, took off. That's crazy. Still when I think about it that my brain has been exposed and um, removed. the ovarian cancer. It was lucky. It was like just sitting right on top of my brain. So it didn't, they didn't actually have to work around my brain or cut into my mm. brain or, um, you know, I actually have very, obviously, I, I can't say zero de- deficits because I do have one and it's a very strange one. It, it has to do with my speech. Um, but it's unrecognizable to most anybody who knows me a speech coach <laughs> a speech coach that um, <laughs> it did affect it did affect my speech um, you know I, I went to I went to school for music and studied singing mm-hmm. and so I, I I realized how much it affected me vocally yeah. um, in singing because studying my voice has been something that I've had done you know my whole life so that's the only way that it is at all detectable but um, they removed it. It was followed by radiation directly to my brain. Um, I've shared all kinds of pictures of my radiation uh, masks that they put on you, which are the craziest looking things, and they strap you down to this table. Because um, they don't want you moving. They don't. You cannot. No, absolutely cannot move. The mask is so tight, but it's full of holes. And so what I've done is I've turned it into a jewelry box, like hang, <laughs> hanging my jewelry on it. It's the craziest thing.
1: Only me. I'm a little mm. off. You're making, you're making the best out of this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you get diagnosed again. And then they, I did, had followed that radiation with chemotherapy. Right. I, had, I had 15 rounds of chemotherapy at that point again.
1: Because now it's not just in your brain, it's now somewhere else.
2: Well, at that moment um, it wasn't anywhere else in my abdomen. It had, it had not returned in my abdomen. It was just for the brain but they treated me with a type of chemotherapy that crosses the blood brain barrier oh, Okay. because regular certain chemotherapies are made so that they can work on the brain and so that's what i had i had a chemotherapy that works on the brain it's called topotikin. Um but like my other chemos that i had they don't really work on the brain so at that point, um, when I was done, I was, um, had no evidence of disease. You know, we don't use the word remission anymore.
1: Why don't you use the word remission anymore? What does that mean? You know, are we just playing with words here or is there not truth to remission?
2: I think that there is a truth to remission. The problem with the word remission itself is that it allows you to feel like it's, there's a finale. And the thing about any type of cancer is that the, the truth is, is that there's no finale. You know, there is still no cure for cancer um, whatsoever. So the word no evidence of disease is really relating to right now you have your NED. That's what we say, NED. You're, there's no evidence of disease going on. it, And so we celebrate being NED. But we don't talk about the word remission because remission sets you up for failure psychologically, emotionally. You know, it's the there's already a lot of really deep ramifications emotionally. Right.
1: So no evidence of disease says right now I'm good, but I have to maintain my health. I have to keep my checkups regular. Um, I have to be very aware of my body inside and out. Mm-hmm. Um in order to maintain the status of no evidence of disease. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I, I just because I think that once people have been diagnosed, there is that constant fear of being diagnosed again.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I know people who have had no evidence of disease for 10, 15 years. And if you ask them, are, are you, do you have fear? They always say yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I imagine that is the case.
2: All right, so let's get all the way to where we're
1: at today because I know that there's some really good stuff that we want to be able to share that you've started to uncover in now your current treatments that you're going through.
2: Mm -hmm. So once I've completed that whole segment, that was my um, having a reoccurrence, then my initial reoccurrence, and then my my reoccurrence after that was it actually started regrowing in my abdomen. Mm. So now it has been... Um, it was exactly one year past the time that I had the stroke. So now we are in, um, we're in 2016. It was in March of 2016 that they discovered that, um, it was growing again in my abdomen and and it started going extremely fast and, um, it, it spread to my liver, it spread to my lymph nodes. And that was in, um, March of 2016. And at that point, I did also go on a on a search for the right type of treatment for myself. So I study. I did go search for into holistic medicine, naturopathic medicine, and um, I ended up on a drug trial at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which they have a big hospital here in Arizona, in in Goodyear, Arizona. And um, Dr. Weiss was my doctor there. Dr. Glenn Weiss. You can Google him. He's amazing researcher, and I. I was with him um, doing an immunotherapy drug trial. Oh, who? <laughs> we love when we get this because people are yeah. commenting. But yeah, it's... thanks, Bernadette,
1: for joining us. Yeah,
2: And Len, thank you, Len. Len, thank you, Len. Um, so when I went to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, I went there just to get a second opinion based on my other doctor that I saw in Arizona. And when, when I went there, it was amazing because right away they um, – I had some genetic testing done and some um, other testing, and they were like, we really think you should do this immunotherapy drug trial. And with it, you got a chemotherapy drug and an immunotherapy drug, and it's very cutting edge because immunotherapy is you know, one of the ways that they're making Im- immense progress mm-hmm. in treating cancer. This exactly.
1: is new technology in, in treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Helping bolster your own immune system to fight off the cancer.
1: Which makes sense.
2: Which does make sense. <laughs> it makes because sense because our bodies are created to fight. They are created to fight. Um, so I was on that trial for um, eleven months, and after eleven months, it stopped working.
1: Um, but it was so working.
2: It was working. Well, it gave me eleven months. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, in the year twenty sixteen, um, I did some incredible things. I'm like, it was probably an amazing year for one of the best years of my life. Truly. And um, leading, rolling into the start of 2017 was definitely. And I think, you know, still one of the most amazing things I ever did was doing the second act where um, women talk about what their their second act is after have been diagnosed. After
1: being diagnosed Mm -hmm. um, or having some tragedy
2: happen Mm -hmm. in their life. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So but at that point, I still didn't really understand, um, you know, really what is happening in my body, which makes this disease keep going forward. And so um, that's that's when I really started learning about our DNA.
1: Okay, so let's talk about this DNA here. So you were sharing it with me the other day and I was fascinated by this conversation because you were saying that this is literally can change our DNA. What is it? What's changing and what's causing the change?
2: So, well, let's start from the beginning because I think it's really important and I want to share with your listeners um, one of the very one of the things that they can do that I encourage any woman to do or or a man, but this one specifically for women because it's going to talk to you about brachyging. Okay? okay, which we hear brachyging. So everyone started hearing about the brachyging because Angelina Jolie went out and got her breasts removed, and she also had um, a full hysterectomy, and she's young. I mean, I think she's my age, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 39. So um, how old is she? I don't even know. Somewhere she around Doesn't there. matter. But I know she's about my age. But, you know, probably about four. It was right about the time that I was diagnosed that she went and had this done. It seems extremely radical. Like, wow, well, you just go and cut off your boobs and but have But her all. mother died from ovarian cancer. Um, I don't know if her mother died of ovarian cancer, but I know there was a huge family history, and that's why. So that's just it. So if you go to ovarian.org, which we mentioned already, if you go to ovarian.org, you can – there's a heredity – I wrote it down – hereditary quiz. And it's presented by a company called Myriad Genetics. And I've had my Myriad test. And Myriad is M-Y-R-I-A-D, Myriad Genetics. I've had my Myriad test done. So Myriad tests for 28 genes that are linked to um, breast and ovarian cancer syndrome. So they've identified- so being able to
1: determine. Yes. So whether you know somebody that's in your family that has been diagnosed
0: Mm -hmm. or had
2: it previously or passed from it? So if you had mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, aunt, um, uncle, on their sides of the family, okay, so you think your parental side, which is your father's side, or your maternal side, which is your mother's side, um, any breast or ovarian cancer, um, then immediately you want to start researching. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just maybe think about it, I mean, absolutely, this is, a, this is being an advocate for you. This is being um, aware, you need to go, and I would take the hereditary, hereditary quiz. I mean, that, that way it'll specifically say to you, um, you know, do you have a chance, what is your risk? And all it is is it's, it's risk, right?
1: Okay, so let's talk about this because this right here is people going, oh, it's not in my family, and then we wanna take that denial route.
2: Right. So let me tell, bring it to personal so you can have an example. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother, my mom's mom, she died of breast cancer very young. Okay. Mm. She was like 44 years old. Okay. And she died in a time before now, you know, she died long before I was born and mm-hmm. um, she, she died in a time where they didn't have good treatment. Mm-mm. They didn't have DNA testing, they didn't have anything. She died in like 1962, okay? So when she died, um, it was, she had eight years that she fought it, which was exceptional back then. W- how they treated cancer is they literally would cut, uh, cut a section of you surgically, throw it out. You keep going, cut another section, throw it out. They would just hack at her body. That's how they treated mm, the cancer. They
1: didn't, that's all they had.
2: That's what they had. And they had some other, like, other types of chemo. It's old chemo, but it was very barbaric. Much, not even close to what we have now. But, um, so, I had that history. Well, my, on my father's side, my dad's birth mother died when my dad was two years old. The lady was, like, 20 years old. It was during World War II. So, there was, we had no history from her or her Mm -hmm. family. So, We just had that. My grandmother had it. So when I had my genetic testing for BRCA, when I was first diagnosed, they ask you, do you want it? Do you not want it? Well, immediately they say, do you have anybody who had breast cancer? I'm like, well, my my grandmother. Oh you should have it and Mm -hmm. they you will actually see a genetic counselor when you're diagnosed with cancer they'll actually talk to you about this so i did it all and when i got my results for BRCA1 and BRCA2 which at the time was what they had it was before the myriad test um i was clean well how many BRCA's is there oh we're gonna get to that
1: okay all right let's yeah. get to that before we have to take another break yeah
2: we will we will so that's part of the the hereditary test okay so perfect. there's BRCA 1 and BRCA 2 um, was the original and so that's what angelina found out angelina mm. jolie found out so she went ahead and did it um and and what it is is it's a it's a assessment of risk so when you buy insurance on your car okay the insurance company has a valuation of risk for you driving around in your cute Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm.
1: Based on my history, based on where I live,
2: based on the type of car and the expense, all of those things are factors, right? Right. Okay. So, and obviously the government tells you you have to buy it, the state of Arizona tells you you have to buy it, but but if, if the state of Arizona didn't tell you how to buy insurance, would you buy insurance? Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's a good question.
1: I bet you a, a very high percentage of people would
2: not. Right. Yeah. But, Bonnie, would you? I would.
1: I would, yeah. Yeah, for sure, right? I'm covered. I got all the...
2: Well, and you don't want to have to pay for someone else's car, right? Then they sue you or whatever. So, I mean, are you going to take that risk with your health? That's what I Mm. say to people. Are you going to... I'm going to compare that. Do you want to take that risk with your health? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a
1: it's a valid concern right now to be able to have this conversation because we're all up in arms about the type of insurance that we're dealing with right now. You know, I mean, I know that when Obamacare came out, my premiums went from 200 to $800 a month, and that's not something that anybody can afford. Families can't afford that. Right. Um, so I know we're worried about the cost of what we're already covering on insurance. So whether the insurance is good, bad, indifferent, low cost or high cost, you still wanna be protected. So this here is going to support you in making better choices.
2: So, and that's just it. Your risk, so comparing it to whether you should or should not get tested for your BRCA gene is based on that same level of assessing your risk. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a family history, you absolutely need to get tested. Mm-hmm. And it's not a doomsday, it's a assessing your risk. If you come back positive with the BRCA gene, right, BRCA1 or BRCA2, Mm -hmm. and you have a family history and you say, you know what, I'm gonna go to my doctor, I'm gonna ask them to test me. You get tested and you come back positive. Now you have the information. The information states that if you are diagnosed um, as having BRCA1 or 2 then you are 50% more likely to get. 50%?
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay, more likely to get breast and or ovarian cancer mm. than someone who doesn't have the BRCA gene.
1: All right. Well, stay with us because when okay. we come back, we're going to take another break here. And, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how this DNA is impacting us here. It is. Um, yeah. So in the meantime, you guys, I want you to all know that you can listen to the show on iTunes. You can listen to it on um, Google Voice uh, or Google Plus. Um, I'm all over the place with this. Stitcher. She's everywhere. I know, it is. She's like, anywhere you want to be. And I just (laughs) got syndicated, so I'm also on Health and Wellness Channel as well. Because remember, beauty is not just about being on the inside or looking good on the outside, it's also how we take care of ourselves on the inside. So, yeah. yeah, So, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, Elena's going to share with us this whole DNA story that's kind of some new technology here. Stay with us.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions, to profits, to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal. Finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. You count. Tune into Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillocks, Todd Benton, and Chris Inner Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepretainment? Easy Talk, talk Live. Every week host Eric E. Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live every Saturday at 1pm Pacific Time, 4pm Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand 24/7. You're listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now, back to Beauty Inside and Out. We're back. Bunny, 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 bunny. We're back. Okay, so welcome
1: back to Beauty Inside and Out. Thank you so much, Elena, for joining us today and sharing with us all this information. I know that four years of having to be in treatments with cancer, you are highly educated on all of this. And thank you for educating us because we don't know and we make a lot of assumptions. And mm-hmm. um, I think that we also have a difficult time having conversations with our friends and our family members that have cancer or we don't give them the platform to be able to share what they know with us so that we all have a better understanding. But this is it. This is we, the awareness and the education that we all need to have.
2: We always call that the elephant in the room. It is. It is the elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about it. And so it's like, no, you, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it with your family. And, you know, it's, it's not an urgent life or death for them, but it could change their life if they had the proper knowledge and understanding so um you know it could change the what they decide the decisions they make about you know when you're going to have kids right oh yeah i mean yeah there's big decisions in this especially because
1: people are getting diagnosed younger and younger yeah i mean i
2: was very you know thank you lord i had my children you know both were one was in junior high and one was in and kind of like Late middle school at the time um, when I was diagnosed, but thankfully I had children. You know, I have met um, many ovarian cancer patients who didn't have children yet. You know, yeah. I, I and know then you got to
1: you got to f- d- make decisions really fast. Freeze your eggs, put off treatment.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, all of
1: those things are factors of your livelihood, your life,
2: mm-hmm. your
1: longevity. It, it,
2: well, and it changes you in more ways than that because you know, what if you're not married? I mean, like. A spouse and getting married and having kids. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. So you want to have the information and the sooner you do. And if you have a family history, uh, especially, you know, you want to, um, you want to get checked out. You want to have your DNA checked. Okay. Okay. So, all right, let's
1: talk about this. We've been talking about, you know, DNA is a big topic right now in the medical world. Like you're hearing a lot about it, but what does that mean to get your DNA checked? How do they check your DNA?
2: Well, there's, Lots of different ways. I mean, 23andMe and Ancestry.com would love it if you you just, you know, check it just to see what you're, who you are. Yeah, because they
1: are building kind of like research a database. based on that. They're building they a are. database and research based on this. They are. They're, it's okay.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. You know what? Um, they've been doing genealogy, like, you know, especially like um, the Mormon community, Latter day mm-hmm. Saints, they've been doing it for many, many years. And, um, but, this specifically to, um, to cancer, so if you have someone in a family member, so I, um, in the prior segment, family, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, uh, on their sides of their families, on either side of your family, if you have any history of breast or ovarian cancer, then you immediately want to go to your doctor and ask have your DNA checked. is
1: having the BRCA gene checked part of a DNA test yes. in itself it is right
2: and if you didn't say I don't remember what it's called if you told the doctor but I've my grandmother had breast cancer and you know I had another aunt that had breast cancer and you know I want to be checked they will they will do it for you I mean and most insurance companies cover it just so you know a lot mm-hmm. of insurance companies cover it and even the ones that don't like they told me my bill and it was like less than a couple hundred bucks I mean it was not very expensive no, that's good and there are a lot of organizations out there that actually will sponsor women so they can get their DNA checked so if you have any sort of um, breast cancer groups in your area or ovarian cancer groups in your area a lot of them help sponsor women to get their DNA so checked. So let's talk about
1: can't. let's talk about then what the DNA testing is relevant to what is it doing?
2: So first of all get, Assessing your risk Mm -hmm. so you understand whether or not you're more at risk than not by having the gene. Mm -hmm. So BRCA1 and BRCA2 were the first really known. There are many, many more. Um, Myriad Company tests for 28 genes and multiple different types of cancers, not just breast and ovarian cancer. Um, But 28 genes have been found. Um, I had my Myriad test done. And this is going to be – this is bizarre. But – I do have a genetic mutation. However, my genetic mutation that I have so far, the science to uncover what that genetic mutation means is not has not been found. So I do have a genetic mutation. Science does not connected to why you've been why
1: you have cancer.
2: It is not connected to why I have cancer. It is possibly connected. Okay. They don't know this yet. Science has not gotten that far yet Mm, isn't that crazy now that is but we're very complex we are very complex but what what is in that is um the gene testing and undercovering these specific genes is allowing for earlier detection and also the development of drugs. And this right. is and what I want to talk about. specific
1: drugs. Okay, let's go there. Okay. Specific drugs to the type of cancer you have.
2: Yes. Okay. So this year in 2017 is a remarkable year, the first year ever that ovarian cancer had six new drugs on the market.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's big because huge that's big because even in some of the doctors that I've had on this show when they talk about research and development there's still most and the majority of the money and the research goes to men's disease 25% and less than goes to women yeah that so that's really big if there's six new
2: six new drugs um in ovarian cancer all parp inhibitors and I'm going to explain to you what parp inhibitors are Okay, so in our DNA, when we have a mutation, okay, our genes, DNA is small sections of our, gene, of our genes. In the mutation, the mutation breaks off, okay? And what the PARP inhibitor drug does is it goes in and it corrects the mutation so that when it's read like a typewriter, you're, you're reading across like a typewriter and when there's a typo, you're like, oops, I can't go any further. So what happens is your body, your cells are replicating, okay? And as they replicate, they're reading the DNA so that they know how to replicate. And as they replicate, they're like, "Oh, there's a typo. Oop, I'm misshapen." Cancer. Mm. Okay. What is cancer? Cancer is just a rogue cell. It's a cell who went sideways. That's it. Yeah. Right. It's still our cells. It's our own body. Our own cells are making it, but the cell goes sideways. So. Now, what happens is the PARP inhibitor drug comes in and it says in the double strand of DNA, right, it creates a whole chain, fixes the chain. So that when now it's creating cells, as it's creating cells, it's like going across. Oh, there's no typo. Guess what? Corrected the cell. This is really big. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And to have, so up until this point, we had... um one drug, Limparza, that was, was on the market, made by AstraZeneca, that was doing the um, PARP inhibitor, working really, really well. Um, so these drugs are given after chemotherapy. That's the big thing to understand. These are these are not drugs that are were given to you. To fix you. To initially treat you to right. reduce metastases or reduce cancer bulking or cell, act- um, cell activity or the CA125. So CA125 is your cancer antigen 125 for ovarian cancer is the detector for um, to determine the disease in your body, and it's not finite, it's not absolute, but it does help doctors. So, for instance, with the PARP inhibitor drug, when it's given, it creates it creates the fix in the in the stealth, um, cell chain for the DNA, so then your cells replicate better. So mm-hmm. when you but you ki- got to treat it first. You got to treat it. Okay. Then afterwards, you take your PARP inhibitor, and those drugs are what we call maintenance drugs. Okay. So they help keep you no evidence of disease (NED) for longer, and that's the key to helping people survive longer with this, or completely. Right. It's not to have
1: them mutated, or not to have this rogue cell just kind of like taken over. Right. Okay. So
2: six new drugs for ovarian cancer this year is huge. And now not only are they giving these drugs to people that um, have gene mutations, but we're giving them to people who don't have gene mutations. And that's where for me personally, I'm so excited because I don't have a gene mutation that we're aware of. However, when I'm done with chemotherapy this next time, which hopefully will be by December this year, um, I'll be able to get on a PARP inhibitor drug, one of the new six drugs, and hopefully get to have a longer life, have a longer time. Yay. Longer time between reoccurrences, and I always pray that it never comes back. So Perfect. that's where your, de- your DNA, your genes are working for you for treatment because that's where, where it's going.
1: Good. All right. So we have to close the show. This was – I hope this was very educational. <laughs> it was educational for me, as always. And we really thank you for being here. And remember, you can listen to this again because there was so much information. I'm going to recommend that you do listen to it. Go to beautyinsideandoutshow.com. It'll take you to this episode. Uh, thank we'll, you, Bonnie. We'll go live tonight. Thank you, everybody. And, again, always remember that it's to
0: – got to be you in beauty. <laughs>